Well, on today's Twisted Misunderstood with me, your host, Dominic J. Zenden, I have an old friend, a person that I've known for many years, who is a writer, an author, a medium. Um, he does a lot of work with the Rendlesham USO UFO incident and has written many, many books on aliens and the, the subject that they forever cover. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Philip Kinsella. Hello, Hello. Philip. Hello, Dominic, and thank you for having me on. And yes, uh, I have written a few books and, uh, you know, and I'm also um, writing some other books as well, too, and uh, uh, run a podcast called uh, Twin Souls. And um, so I'm, I'm very happy with researching and investigating UFO and, and psychic phenomena. It's fascinating. Yeah, I certainly agree. So would you like just to introduce yourself to the listeners of Twisted and Misunderstood? Tell us about who you are, where you, what you do, how long you've been doing it, and what you're currently doing. Yeah, um, well, I'm Philip Kinsella, and um, I got interested in the UFO Department of Investigations through what they term an alien abduction back in the winter of 1989. And the rawness of that experience led me to try and establish what happened uh, during that period. And I then went on to investigate um, UFOs, joining a UFO group, meeting like-minded people. And then I was credited with a revolutionary speculation regarding and surrounding the abduction phenomena that was published in Alien Encounters back in 1996. And it was then that I, it, it, I think the whole phenomena, the whole experience, and because I'd seen UFOs before, led to a huge opening um, with regards to people, investigations. And then I started to work on um, a UFO book called uh, Believe, Bridging the Gap Between the Psychic and UFO Phenomena, which was published by Kappelband Publishing Limited after a psychic book that I've had published through them. And then I went on to explore more cases of ufology and um, got slightly involved with the Rendlesham event, which I had no idea about, um, that I would never get involved with that. But of course, with all of us, life has this really strange way of creating synchronicities within our paths. And then I wrote A Passage to Eternity, The Enigma of the Dead, UFOs and Aliens, and then Guardians of the Dead, which is more to do with the psychic phenomena. And then You, the Public Deceived, The Grand UFO Deception, and um, there are a few others. I can't recall them at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Philip, that's, that's lots and lots and lots of people to get stuck into if they're interested. Where can they get in touch with you? Um, yeah, they can get hold of me on Facebook. We also have a website, www.thekinsellatwins.com. They can get us on there because our work's on there as well. And also our, you know, our show's Twin Souls as well, too. And so that's how they can get hold of hold of me. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, and I'm sure you welcome interaction and um, people being interested. I also want to ask where can they get hold of Sky Crash? You know, um, yes, yeah, Sky Crash, the new book that's been published by Philip Mantle's Flying Dispress. It had originally been published by Kappelband Publishing in 2013. And what's interesting about that book, you can get hold of it on Amazon as paperback, as uh, audio. I think it's going into audio as well, and Kindle and hardback. I think it's going to appear in as well. Fantastic. So let me just recap then get hold of Sky Crash at Flying Disc um, Press, which yes. is Philip Mantle's um, publishing company, yes. and also on Amazon. So they can actually you know, buy the updated, is it, copy of Sky Crash? Yes. Yes, it has been updated. A lot more information, a lot more pictures, illustrations, that type of thing in there. So we've we've kind of like fleshed out and upgraded the title because a lot of people with the first release through Capital Band Publishing Limited, um, people thought it was all about the 1980 event with the American military. And really the book is actually a look at Brenda's research and what she's uncovered with regards to her connections with the forest long before and after the 1980 event. And of course, subsequent to that, a lot of the investigations that I and my brother and a good friend of ours, Susan did um, in the forest. And let me tell you, um, it is real. Um, the place is very strange. And uh, that's why I decided to write Sky Crash uh, throughout time. Um, when Brenda and I kind of like met up and again through complete synchronicity, 
um, and decided let's write a book because the last book that was done was through Dot Street, Jenny Randalls and Brenda Butler called Sky Crash, A Cosmic Conspiracy that had been published by Neville Spearman back in 1984 and subsequently released as paperback soon after the hardback edition um, came out. And and so it's kind of like a, fi a filler in, as it were. <laughs> OK. And the lady you mentioned, you mentioned her again just briefly, is Brenda Butler, and she's the lady you co-authored Sky Crash with. That's right. And the thing is, with Brenda, bless her, she's the authoritative figure on Rendlesham Forest. She knows the forest like the back of her hand. She was involved with a lot of the U.S., um, airmen, air forces there, when even and around the time of the 1980 event which occurred. And of course, there's some very strange, bizarre things that occurred to her afterwards and also occurred with us. Um, and uh, that, that was quite interesting, especially about the reptilian man. Um, and, you know, I when people first hear about um, people dealing with the reptilian man, he had nothing to do with the 1980 UFO event at Rendlesham. But soon afterwards, back in the mid 80s, 1980s, um, Brenda had this connection with this guy called David Daniels that suddenly sprang onto the scene. He wasn't interested in Rendlesham. And when I started writing the book and fleshing the book out with Brenda and interviewing the people uh, with regards to this David Daniels. Um, let me tell you, um, Dominique, that guy, or if it was a guy, had connected with some of the top um, ufologists and also uh, Lieutenant Colonel Wendell Stevens in the United States. He was also seen in Australia. He was wanted by Scotland Yard and they think as well um, through other higher sources within America. So our understanding is that this guy or this human was not human. Um, yeah. Let's let's start there. Yes. Let's start bang on with that particular person. So tell me everything about that particular situation, Philip. Well, I think in order to do that, I need to explain that when I belong to UFO group, um, Gosh, it was years ago now. We, I had met, me, my brother and Susan had met Peter Robbins that came over to England. And he just told the three of us, of course, we're firm friends with him now. He's a lovely guy, really knows his stuff. Uh, you know, he went through a bad time, as we all know, but he's got past that point now. But he told us, you need to go to Rendlesham. You need to go there and explore it because it's a really strange place. And so Susan, Ronnie and I decided that we would go uh, to Rendlesham soon afterwards and explore the place. And on one such visit, we were invited um, with the UFO group to go and do a sky watch up there at Rendlesham. Um, this would have been in the 1990s or early 1990s, I believe it was. I have to check my notes for the specific dates. Okay. Um, but we'd gone there and we'd stayed in this. We, we'd gone to this pub to have a meal and a drink. Obviously not drink, drink, because you need to be clear-minded when you do a sky crash. Uh, Skywatch, sorry, sky crash. Um, and when we were in this pub um, and having something to eat, and uh, this man approached me and Ronnie and Susan. Very strange, kind of like blondie, dark-haired man, very, you know, kind of like smart looking, came over, started talking to us. And Ronnie and uh, Susan said that he'd seen his hand, um, right hand, seemed to change to plastic and then return back again. Well, this guy then followed us to the forest and we couldn't get him out of our heads. He was in our heads. He was following us around. He wanted, he seemed to know things about us and everything that was going on. And in effect, he, he infected the whole team because on our return journey back, to the to to Bedfordshire that's all the people were talking about was this guy who called himself Joseph now go forward uh, quite a number of years um, Susan model myself used to explore the forest we used to do experiments there one of them was actually amazing and it was while we were in the forest because I had no idea where Brenda Butler was in the world it wasn't like I was out looking for her in the forest doing our research and we saw this copse of trees where these flashes of lights were coming from and you know we knew it wasn't a UFO, we went over there, and there was a lady there with a white German shepherd and a gentleman. And when I walked past, she looked a little bit like, oh, you know, good evening. And I felt this need to go back and talk to her. And they were doing something in this copse of trees with music. And I said, are you looking for the orbs? And the lady stood up and she said, yes, why? And I said, well, I was rather hoping to meet Brenda Butler. And she said, my dear, I am Brenda Butler. 
<laughs> so that is how we met. And I was so shocked. And I remembered that night I'd got out of the car before I met her saying, I really wish and hope that I could meet Brenda Butler. And as God is my witness, I didn't know where she was in the world. At that point, um, I then connected with Brenda. She's a very nice lady, um, you know, very, very beautiful soul. She knows that our forest like the back of her hands, told us all the things that happened there. And before I go into David Daniels, I will say to your listeners that there was a phenomena that's known or I read about that she'd spoken about um, stones falling from the sky. Just, you know, big heavy stones just falling from the sky and they're hot. Or well, we were with her on one occasion, walking through the forest and it was light. And where we were, there were no trees around because there's a, a big opening. And these, I heard these plonks coming around and she said, oh, that will be the stones. And I thought stones and one fell right in front of us. And she said, go on, pick it up. It'll be hot. And I picked it up and it was hot. And that to me suggested some kind of like, um, you hear this in um, poltergeist cases where there are reports and things like that. So my understanding of the forest or the area of Suffolk or this, what they call Rendlesham Forest, certainly is a bit like Skinwalker Ranch or within Utah, where there is a lot of strange anomalous activity that's, that, that kind of like heightens this sense of high strangeness. So when we were discussing and talking about things, and this is over a very long period of time, Brenda also gave me some material that had actually dripped off of the original craft that Colonel Charles Holt and his men had seen when he described uh, when they were in the forest those famous nights back in 1980, winter, Christmas period of 1980, where he saw an eye that was like a UFO and dripping stuff on the floor. And I held this stuff. It's like honeycomb stuff. Very bizarre. And then Brenda then started to tell me about David Daniels, about this man that she had met or through Dot Street. He actually appeared to Dot Street, first of all, and scared the hell out of Dot Street because Dot Street lives some miles away from where Brenda did, a long way, about probably about 40 minute journey in the car. And so Brenda went up there to go and see this man because he wanted to talk to Brenda. And that's where they hit off their relationship. Um, as friends, but David Daniels seemed to know a lot about Brenda, and he was more concerned with regards to his world, his planet. Now, to most people, that would seem absolutely bonkers. Um, but when you start investigating, when you start researching and, you know, examining the case and interviewing the witnesses, that changes everything. And, you know, yeah, Okay, before we go on, you're listening to Twisted and Misunderstood. I'm currently talking to Philip Kinsella, and he's talking to me about his experiences within Rendlesham Forest, which was next to the Woodbridge RAF American Air Base back in Christmas 1980. So there's lots of recall here from Philip, and it's fascinating stuff. UFOs oh, yes. and yeah. strange people, strange encounters, and stones that are hot falling yes. out of the sky. Yes. Okay. So, Philip, would you like to continue about David Daniels, please? Yeah. Well, when I started doing more of the research and digging, it, it, were, it transpired that David Daniels had actually revealed his true form to Brenda Butler, which she described as like a reptilian. Um, and she couldn't believe it, but Brenda is so grounded and level-headed. I mean, it'll take a lot yeah, to convince her of anything other than what she deals with. Um, and so she decided, because he wasn't welcomed at Dot Street's house, that he would come and stay with her in a caravan that she had outside her house. And of course, David Daniels wore this very long black cape. He had almost like a military crew-cut blonde hair. Um, very handsome, I think for a, the male species, he was a handsome guy, but a lot of people who encountered him, was experienced, uh, experiences through him, were very unnerved by him. Now, he never bathed, he never, they didn't see him ate any good food or drink water, he just ate sweets, and the thing is though, he was presented absolutely beautifully. Now, Brenda's partner at that time, um, he actually was unnerved by him because David Daniels could read his mind, even to the point where, you know, he was scared and he, he, he wanted to put a gun onto his pillow 
um, you know, to, to kind of like safeguard himself because he felt threatened by this being. But this this David Daniels um, also had infiltrated um, a lot of ufologists, especially Jenny Randalls. I think Jenny thought that he was probably just weird. And we had the same feeling if it was the same person. Now, people say, no, it's not. But you have to understand that this guy using a different name, Joseph, was very different. Uh, it, similar sorry in appearance what he was doing but different in terms of his name so um i then found out that brenda butler and david daniels had set a meeting where well, with um lord admiral hell norton um you know in london in his office and it was very bizarre because david daniels had sat with the lord and told him that his planet's in distress brenda was searched he was not and um lord Amrahel norton was explaining that it was out of his hands he couldn't do anything about it with regards to david daniels and the pleiades system let me let me just stop you because i, I need you to explain to me who this character was who is lord admiral Hill Norton. Yes, who um, is he? Was, he was uh, Admiral, of, Admiral of the Fleet, and he was also a very high up um, individual. He was also connected with Timothy Good um, as well, too. And he was he was very open minded about the UFO okay. field of investigations. And of course, very high up ranking gentleman. Philip, when we talk about people, we need to explain who they are, because we know and I know Philip Good is a huge UFO researcher and writer. Um, you know who these people are, but there may be lots of listeners that would be struggling to follow because Understood. they don't know. So if we could just give them a, a title, a perspective, and just yeah. talk about them from that, and then talk about the knowledge that you have of them, because it's a fascinating you know, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much involved with the case. I mean, it li literally is. I mean, people, you know, when people try and put it in a small packet, it is so huge. Yeah. But Admiral Hill Norton was very connected with government and also military. And he also had a very strong influence within the UFO community. He was very yeah. open and very aware of the UFO phenomena. Right. And um, it was very bizarre, however, that Admiral Hill Norton was also very much aware of this UFO problem. And when David Daniels was in his office with Brenda talking about this, for anyone else out there, if you were, you know, went into uh, Parliament or the House of Lords or wherever, and you were talking about aliens and planets and UFOs, most people would be shocked and not quite understanding of that. But Brenda's sitting in this office and they're speaking to one another as though it's just a normal conversation. Right. And of course, um, you know, Admiral, uh, Lord Hill Norton explained that his hands were tied. He couldn't do anything to help this, this man or this reptilian, no matter what he suggested. So for Brenda, that was very strange. And like you said, I guess you're absolutely right, totally right in terms of people not knowing what's really going on and who they're about. I think Brenda also felt the same way with regards to this situation, because it appeared that whatever David Daniels was talking about, Admiral Lord Hill Norton seemed to be more understanding of, of, of this that, that Brenda didn't know about. So when people talk about there being a cover-up or a conspiracy, that is very much the case in terms of what's going on behind the scenes, where we're left with bits and pieces and they obviously know a lot more about what's what's going on behind those scenes now the other interesting thing about david daniels was that um he traveled to london and he was also stayed with someone else um further down in england that was a, a filmmaker now it all got a little bit muddy because he was apparently brenda thinks framed for a murder we don't we haven't heard anything about the murder it didn't even come to light because scotland yard and the fbi wanted david daniels and they were bugging um brenda as in terms of listening to her telephone conversations okay. on the phone and because david then david daniels then contacted brenda to say that he was there looking for him i.e they being scotland yard and the cia fbi whichever because there were there are multiple levels that were looking for him um and then the next thing we know is that he appeared in america and appeared to now lieutenant 
Colonel Wendell Stevens was also a prominent ufologist. I mean, he'd okay. been on a load of programs and he'd written some books, uh, quite an authority within the UFO field of investigations, a very nice man. Uh, but without going into too much detail, um, Lieutenant Colonel Wendell Stevens was in prison at this time, and he was serving for some time for a false accusation for something that had said that he'd been involved in when he hadn't. And he was quite happy to do his time in prison and just get it all over and done with. But this gentleman then appeared to him um, as Father Daniels, and it was David Daniels who'd now gone to America and pretended that he was a priest and gone to see Lieutenant Colonel Wendell Stevens. And Lieutenant Colonel Wendell Stevens had no idea what this man was about. In fact, he felt very unnerved, but it felt to him like David Daniels could read his mind. And to be honest with you, in all of the cases where David Daniels had been, none of the researchers or investigators knew exactly what it was he wanted or what he was looking for. Now, Another interesting part with David Daniels is that Ralph Noyes, um, he's passed over now, but he was linked very high up within the Ministry of Defence, the MOD. And Ralph Noyes had also connected with David Daniels in London. And David Daniels had spent a couple of days with him. And although a lot of people didn't like this so-called reptilian man, Ralph Noyes seemed to accept him. And what David Daniels did with Ralph Noyes on this bridge, I think it was near us at one of the major television studios, was that David Daniels had raised his hands up into the air with Ralph Noyes with him and three UFOs, uh, three balls of light in a triangular formation appeared within the sky. And he demonstrated to Ralph Noyes that he was connected with them, which is very, very strange. I mean, it, it sends chills down your spine, trying to put the pieces together to find out who this, this man, this reptilian really was, where he came from. I want to ask a, a few questions on this particular gentleman david oh. daniels first i'd like to know is um past identity did anyone go into his past identity because at no time have you told me how old he was you said he was uh, a well-dressed gentleman is, but, yeah yeah so i haven't got any sort of picture in my head of his age category but, right but surely we would have done or people would have done some due diligence on him as a person they would have checked out if he had a national insurance number or a, a passport an identity you know, I mean did people do that did they carry out these um, very obvious checks about who he is well that is very interesting because during the mid-1980s you know Brenda would befriend anyone that is the type of person she is Brenda she Butler Brenda Butler, that is. Yeah, yeah she would introduce, uh, you know, anyone to anyone else. She she gets on very well with people. Um, she's very loyal, very loving. Um, in terms of David Daniels, we think that was a false name. We don't think that was his original name because there is nothing to suggest that this guy was around. But the question is, why was it that the FBI, CIA and also Scotland Yard wanted to get their hands on him? Now, you're talking about people that's abroad in America as well as here in England. So did he pose a danger? Or was he what they would call an extraterrestrial? And they wanted him because they knew that he was a, you know, a valuable, valuable asset to them. We don't know. But everywhere he went, the trail of him seemed to disappear. We couldn't quite catch or understand you know, what, what he was about. In, in terms of Brenda couldn't either. No, no one could. He was See, a complete mystery. See, what, what comes to me is, why is he turn up in Suffolk in England? Yes. Why does he turn up at that particular time? What did he want? Yes. And And if he's this, this guy who is um, no identity, but has an identity, how did he survive within society without that, you know, without that knowledge and identity? And the other thing that comes to mind is, if the um, government so desired to hold him or or detain him surely all they had to do was get him into the ministry of defense in london because he's obviously quite keen to go down there well that's right but he he did connect with ralph noise uh, at his private residence in london and um, the other thing is that this this guy could mind read very well. I mean, he could pick up a book, he could flick through it, he would pass it back to Brenda's partner, uh, Chris, and he would ask him, "Tell me what 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 page? Read read from 
tell me what page you want me to read from. And then he recited from his mind. So this person, this thing, whatever he was, had this amazing way of reading people's minds very clearly. And people could feel that uh, when they were around him and in his presence. Now, he was a big mystery in terms of who he was, what he was about, why he was here. But it, it generally all stems from his problems with the world that he came from or allegedly came from in terms of a war and drought and famine. Now, you know, from my understanding, we have to be very grounded within our research and understanding of these things because anyone can claim anything. But this man had left a trail behind him and it just seemed to disappear because no one, he just completely just disappeared off of the face of the earth. But remember that was back in the mid 1980s, 1984, 1985, going into 1986. The meeting that we had with this guy was in, two, in around about 2000. So, and from my understanding, I mean, there's no photographs of him, there's no pictures of him at all, um, nothing, absolutely nothing. And I will tell you, and it's a little bit vague, so please forgive me through memory here, that the last time that he had been seen was in Australia and he was with this strange lady and David Daniels was on this coat trip um, that was going out somewhere with a lot of the other people. I think the coach ship was like one of those kind of like places that you go where you find mindfulness and peace and all that type of thing. And one of the persons on the coach tried to take a photograph of David Daniels, but it came out as nothing more than light. Now, there is another ufologist that, that I know that I'm not going to mention his name. I won't okay. hear. But he was very high up and he had his contacts. And when we had a discussion about this, when I was in America, I mean, he looked at me and he said, David Daniels. Now, he was very interesting, wasn't he? And I remember the chill went up from my spine, thinking, well, we're all trying to piece these parts to this great puzzle together, because it's still very complicated, the whys, and, you know, all of it. But for us, it was incredibly strange. And especially for me, having a bit of a headache, trying to work out and put together all these pieces. But that was a small part of Sky Crash throughout time. I mean, he still remains a mystery, that is David Daniels. Um, and we don't know what his motives were, or but he seemed to connect with a lot of very high up individuals within society, I can tell you. <laughs> See, this is my question. You just probably answered it for me. But yeah, I mean, in in your opinion, Philip, what was his agenda? What was his um, purpose? Well, if he could mind read, it's possible that he was just trying to gain as much information from UFO researchers because, you know, it's strange that if he come from another planet, um, why it was that he was getting to all these different ufologists and reading their minds to see what they knew about the phenomena. That to me is very strange unless he was trying to find out whether or not there was another species or another faction of extraterrestrial intelligences here. Um, we don't know. That is pure supposition. Um, yeah, so that was one of the areas that was extremely intriguing. And I thought, oh, no, this ain't going to work with it being put in sky crash uh, throughout time. But it, it seemed, you know, people are very yeah. curious about him. Yeah. Have you ever come across anyone else like David Daniels in your time doing what you do? Well, I've met a few strange people, but not, certainly not like David Daniels, no. But so I, yeah. So no one that compares to him. No, absolutely not. No, not not by any, not by any, any measure at all. But the forest itself, um, talking about the book Sky Crash throughout time, and yes. especially about because that was linked with Brenda. We, I wanted to find out what was going on in the forest, and we had conducted. Um, when I say we, I mean my twin brother Ronald and my good friend Susan O'Connor. We had gone to the um, the forest. And um, we wanted to see if we could summon a UFO. So a week before, um, the 8th of June, 1998, this is a week before we went. So uh, this is a week uh, in. So we sat in a room here and we meditated and we asked for them, whoever they were, i.e. visitors, aliens, spacecrafts, whatever, if they could appear to us 
at the forest that we said clearly within our minds that we were visiting the forest on the 8th of June 1998 for this specific reason of contact. We promised that we wouldn't take any film footage, no recordings, nothing. It was to be a personal experience. Well, we didn't know if we were heard or anything like that because I had the idea from uh, the very famous American singer Karen Carpenter from her song Calling Occupants. And when I heard that, I thought, is that possible? Little did I realize that we were initiating what they call a CE5 initiative where, yeah. Tell me what that is. Tell me what a yeah. CE5 initiative CE5 initiative is where you have direct con con contact with some form of extraterrestrial intelligence, either through um, a craft or through seeing the occupants themselves. And that is done through some kind of interaction between the mental processing of the human and sending that out to what we call extraterrestrials, as it were. Um, so I didn't realize that what we'd done back then was actually now called a C5 initiative. So on the 8th of June, 1998, we had gone to the forest. It was a beautiful evening. And Susan Model and myself set up camp not far away if you can imagine the forest is huge but there is an area called Capel Green and that area is where a lot of the main area that happened with the American military troops occurred in 1980 so we kind of like knew it was in the field area that at that point was open from the edge of the forest ahead was a farmer's uh, house very far to the end of the field and so we waited until nightfall um, to enter the field because we were going to sit in the field and meditate under the moon and stars. Okay. Sounds very dreamy, doesn't it? But that is what we, what we did. I took a pair of dowsing rods out into the field to see if there was an area that would be suitable for us to sit. Now, I'm running on blind hope, the same with Ronnie and Susan. We haven't got an idea what we're really doing, but we just want some kind of contact. When I found this area, it was in a part of the field that was dirt and dust, and the other half of the field was all crop. So this area was like dirt and like grassland, that type of thing. So we sat in this circle and the time was roughly around about um, quarter to 10 at night, because that's when we sat down. So we plonked ourselves down, beautiful moon, lovely stars, very clear, very warm. And um, we meditated. And when we got out of the meditation, we stood up and um, we saw what we thought at first was a car headlight coming towards us, but this car headlight was red and it was coming from the farmer's house. And we thought naively that the farmer had seen us in his field, was getting in his car to come across this bit of dirt land to chase us off. Okay. Well, when we ran back to the forest, to the edge of the forest and came back, I stopped and thought, no, a car light is not normally red and there's normally two of them if they are red but when we observed this light it seemed to get closer and closer and was moving very quickly and then it shot across Capel Green right across to our left very fast and disappeared into the crop. Now we thought wow that is incredible you know that is amazing although we couldn't identify what the object was it certainly reacted with movement and speed that was that we didn't have here so as we're standing there looking to see if there would be anything else occurring within that region of where the light had disappeared at quarter past 10 10 15 p.m at night at 10 15 p.m at night exactly uh, on the other end of the forest the edge of the, the field of the forest there came above these trees a flash of light. It was huge. And there before us was an object that I will never forget as long as I live. It was in the shape of a pyramid. There was a gap and it had a circular undercarriage underneath it. So it's like a witch's hat, but where the brim is, it's separated. And, and the rim was roughly the same dimensions as the bottom of the triangular craft itself. The top half of the craft, the triangular part, was glowing. And this energy seemed to be coming from the in, inside source of it. And it started to turn one way. And the undercarriage, which was more blue, had these ring of lights around it. And that was turning the other way. So it was remained stationary 
like a clock, one part moving one way, the other moving the other. And I couldn't believe it. My eyes were like, oh my Lord, is that, are we seeing what that is? And it was above these trees. It must have been huge. When you so, say huge, Philip, sorry to cut across you. How big is huge? Well, the trees in Rendlesham are roughly around about, I'd say some of them are, well, I'm six foot. I mean, some of these would range to about 30 foot, sometimes 40 foot. And where the tops of the trees come out, they're very spread out. So you're looking at something that perhaps is uh, in a ratio of perhaps maybe 10 to 12 feet across in circumference and perhaps double that in height okay. so what we were seeing with was a i mean i can't vouch for those measurements but to my mind as i've looked before absolutely it's kind of like the kind of size that it was quite big so when we viewed it in the binoculars i had and then susan and ronnie my mind was like i'm off i'm going towards it i i don't know this crazy impulse to get to it because to my mind, that was contact. And when I started to run, I'd hit that side of the field where wet crop was, and I'm running. The others are yelling and for me to come back because one, they don't want the farmer to get annoyed with us seeing us running through, running through his crop. And it's also dealing with the fact that there's something completely out of this world directly in front of us but I had it in my sights and I wasn't there was no noise from it I'm sorry I forgot to say there was no sound whatsoever okay. at all well I, I did miss that part but as I'm running through the crop uh, my jeans are getting soaked and then I get closer and closer I'm looking up at it and it's incredible I've, I've never seen anything like it but then I stripped and then I fell. And as soon as I tripped, it went out like someone turning out a light switch. I fell onto the ground. I took in a, a load of dirt within my mouth. And then I got back up, spat it out, and then started to cry and then laugh because I, I was in such a state that I knew that no one would believe us and that we had contact. It was contact, if, if that's the right word to use. There was no communication. There were no aliens. But when you have, were viewing this object, it was like nothing you'd seen before. Now, I know that people will say, oh, it's a military exercise with holographic technology. Why would they waste their resources on three relatively unimportant individuals doing a kind of like sky watch in the area or investigation of the area? Well, the next day, I contacted UFO magazine or one of the prominent magazines, um, I can't really remember which one it was because what happened very strangely was that whatever magazine it was, I think it was UFO magazine. And people say, you know, when you're having an interview, oh, you've, you don't know what, and, but you put yourself in your situation. It's a different story when things have been happening so quickly. Well, the guy on the end of the phone said, my name is Breen Forbes, a very strange name, and I couldn't spell it, Breen Forbes. And he said, send us all the information, the sketches, everything you have that happened there, and then I can pass them on to Peter Robbins. Now, how did this Breen Forbes know that I was linked with Peter Robbins anyway? I have no idea. I don't know why he said that. Why couldn't he have said, we'll pass them on to Colonel Charles Holt or we'll pass them on to someone else or Jim Penniston or John Burroughs or someone like that. Well, anyway, got all the material together, sent it off, heard nothing. So I phoned the company back again and they said, well, we don't have anyone here by that name, Bream Forbes. And I said, well, I spoke to him about a month ago. No, we've got no one here of, of that name. And the information that I had didn't get there. So I'm not saying it's conspiracy. What I'm saying is that when you start getting involved with these areas of ufology, you certainly are going into high strangeness because I'm very practical, mm. Dominic. I'm very grounded. Yeah. You know, and it, you know, when you go back back to 98 and even because we're exploring the forest in 2000 uh, as well, but going back into 90, the, the, the 90s as well, it was just so bizarre and I couldn't get my head around it. So the paper trail had been lost. There's no way of categorically proving that we had done that. But I'm going to tell you, if anyone out there in that world does come across our artwork and our drawings and our, our report, it is there somewhere. Someone's got it. Yeah, sure. Could you re reproduce that? artwork that report you know the things that you, you yeah down. oh yeah absolutely i mean I, I did that you know i i 
wrote it in Sky Crash. I mean, what happened, I, I, I said all that I needed to say, and I'm sure it was UFO magazine, because I think they were still around at that time, but it was one of the main magazines and they were quite interested. And it's not like, oh, I'm not here to sell you a story. I just want to tell you what we'd seen there. Absolutely. But unfortunately, nothing came from that. And um, it was very bizarre how that kind of like turned out. Um, but I can assure you, Dominique, that the forest itself is very strange. Um, people that go there, that visitors that go into there, um, have reported seeing strange lights coming out of the ground, different colored lights like in orbs. Um, they've heard strange sounds. There was another occasion where Susan, my brother and myself were down the uh, area of the entrance towards, uh, you know, Bentwaters. Yeah, I've been there myself um, for yeah. several occasions. I've done my own investigations around there. So I, I'm, I'm very aware of the location and the Lovely. differences and all the bits and pieces. The people listening are probably not too aware of the layout because Rendlesham Forest is between two American air bases, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, the twin and air bases. Yeah. Twin air bases. And it's not that far from the coast and it's That's not that right. far from a lighthouse and there's there's lots and lots of things going on in that particular area. I did want to ask you before we jump ahead too far, because you know, just want to steady it down a little bit and ask you about time. Because um, I remember um, I was lucky enough to talk to Colonel Holt, who was at the yeah. actual incident himself, and he took a, a tape recording of the original Rendlesham incident. And he is actually convinced, alongside um, Pilkinson, that it was actually um, time travellers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, that is a because Jim Penniston wrote a book with Gary Osborne um, and their the, the new book. Um, explains in detail how the object and basically to your listeners what happened was that um, in 1980 the Christmas period of 1980 Penniston and Burroughs had been brought to the attention of something they thought was on fire or an aircraft that had crashed not too far away the proximity of the base where they were they were where they were positioned they were positioned and they had gone out of the base to investigate through the release of their commanding officer and uh, in a copse of the wooded area of the forest, not far away, they had come across um, a very strange um, object, uh, a UFO, as we would call it, that was hovering several feet from the floor. And it was almost like a triangle, triangular shape, but it was like kind of like turned the other way. So it's like laying flat with a fin on the end of it. And when Penniston and Burroughs approached it, some very strange things happened. It was Jim Penniston who actually touched the object and had a download of binary numbers that he started to write down. It does appear that they had lost time. And now in the future, Jim Penniston has written this wonderful book. I think he's writing another one um, as well too. Um, but the, their idea is that these, whatever they are, are time travellers, because when Jim Penniston ex examined the craft that was that was in close proximity to them, he said it wasn't look like it didn't look like you could fit someone in there. Okay. <laughs> so, so it would make sense, perhaps, that this mechanism was from other, some other place or time or recording yeah. things. Um, I, I also want to bring in that Jim Penniston did have um, um, a download but that was some 10 years later that he accessed that download. He didn't access it in 1980. He accessed it in 1990-something, from what I can remember. So this recall took over a decade to manifest yes. itself, which is, again, something quite significant within that. But yes. my, my understanding for you is, did you experience any time slips while you were going about that no. particular experience so you had no missing time no. you had no issues around time whatsoever no no not 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 at all and i can vouch for that so yeah. i mean you know i think that missing time is an area that does occur quite a lot within any area of ufological research but one of the things i found very strange with regards to it is that the area itself is high strangeness and um, that's what we were looking to try and find out why it was that these objects this phenomena would occur within a certain geographical location of england 
Um, you know, and I know that the 1980 event with Colonel Charles Salt and his men is the definitive account. Of course, them being military, it stands as one of the top notches of all cases, because yeah. they, among anyone, are very much on the ball. And, you know, they're, what they say goes. Um, but certainly the air itself um, is spooky. And Brenda Butler does believe that it's linked with ancient sites. There are mounds called the tumuli which are linked into the forest so and we do find also that a lot of ufos are seen around ancient areas burial grounds churches and especially military installation places as well yeah it's interesting is that because you know the, the colliding you know, i mean you made a comparison right at the beginning with skinwalker ranch oh yes and with rendlesham forest now i don't know how you see it but for me there's many portholes or working on a frequency and my my question would be what's on the other side of these portholes uh, what's there where do they lead to i would be very fascinated to to understand that as individuals i'm sure that you would as well Yes, I think that human consciousness has a part to play in this, in terms of this connection. I think that the phenomena, wherever its nest is, um, when certain individuals walk into that area, um, there seems to be a link with this energy that connects on an individual basis with the person's consciousness. And I think this is why we have a lot of multifaceted um, experiences and cases where people, one person experience is very different from someone else's, even yeah. though they're in the same um, local locality and at the same time, because we must understand that these openings or portals or dimensional dimensions of awareness um, do disrupt time. I mean, on Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, that's very interesting um, because that was all set apparently by a curse of the Skinwalker. And so our argument is, you know, the mind is very powerful. Perhaps the mind is able to impress or create or open these portals, um, you know, in some way. It would make sense because if we look at the spiritual side of things, we talk oh, about manif manifestation as being yes. one of the most important things. And if we're all capable of manifesting, then surely the mind is what creates that through the soul or the soul creates it through the mind. And so it's all interlinked, yet we've yet to walk up that mountain to discover how it figures out. We know there's something going on. We know there's something there. We know something's occurring, yet we haven't quite reached that pinnacle of understanding so we can take it out of the paranormal and bring it into the reality of being absolutely what happens in the universe. So as we go forward, I'm sure we'll find answers to what is going on within that, but maybe we're not advanced enough. Maybe we're not thoughtful enough. Maybe we're too denying of our own particular understanding to do That's that. That's right. And, and I believe that. Yeah. And I would also add to that, that the reason that we haven't had disclosure or full alien disclosure from our governments is so we, we've got nothing to compare our things that we're taught to other civilizations, because as soon as we've got a comparison, as soon as we've got somewhere to compare what we know to what they know, it may be very, very different to what we've been taught over the centuries. Yes, I think from this uh, stance, you're absolutely correct. I think as human beings, um, the way that the system has controlled or manipulated consciousness um, is kind of like holding, holding us down, has held us down through each uh, passing epoch. The history of our you know, existence has been denied us or a new fairy tale version created. And I think we're beginning to discover that through this stagnation, you know, there must be more to us than mere flesh and blood automatons with a cell by date. I know as well as you do that there is an afterlife. I am also aware that the the structuring of that afterlife is not what we've been told by, um, you know, religious organizations that put the fear of God in you. I think we are all part of something incredible. And I think that we are each a um, kind of like a, an, uh, an explorer that has come to a certain plane of existence to record the experience and send that information back to source once it's, when it's finished. And I also believe definitely that there are other intelligences that exist on multiple levels of dimensional awareness that our senses can't, cannot yet perceive. 
Yeah, I, I would totally agree with everything you've just said, and I'd underline it with a big red pen as well, because there is so much that we do not understand as of yet, and that we're just scratching the surface when we look at these anomalies and yes. these visitors, or even if they're not visitors, these these entities that share the same space as us, yet maybe have a different um, dimensional shift, or we have a different way of seeing through the spectrum that they see through so our spectrum of sight is a lot narrower or is, is it not covered in their spectrum of sight so i think we're dealing with a lot of things that we just don't look at just don't see so we can't comprehend them plus the the retelling of history you know probably the earth is a lot lot older than what we've made out you know yes, told. And that's right dominic yeah, and also other civilizations could well have been a part because there's evidence that points to that that we know about. So if we've been told it, there must be other evidence underneath that that would also point to it. It's it's like trying to join the dots, isn't it, when you haven't got any <laughs> dots to join and, and being given this sort of understanding. I, I don't believe that we were any further forward in knowing what really happened at, happened at Rendlesham, for instance. I, I think that we're not any further forward in knowing if, for instance, time gates or portholes actually exist. But the chances are the universe is connected, or even the multiverse. And if it is, we're now on a very exciting time that I hope we live long enough to go and be able to explore and be able to understand because the aspects of things are going to become very, very interesting once we do have total disclosure that we are one of many, many civilizations throughout this amazing probably galaxy and into the multiple galaxies that the James Webb telescope has um, started to discover for us. So we have lots to discover. Mm. If, the, if there's one thing in your book, Sky Crash, that you would recommend people read, what would it be? What would you point them to? Which chapter? Well, I can't remember the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. But it would be about David Daniels. Um, okay. I think people will find that very interesting because, you know, most people say, oh, there's no such thing as, um, you know, reptilians or anything like that. But as I said before, what's really intriguing and, and by and by, we are all important. We are all integral parts to this experience called life. We're all part of it. There is another side. I completely believe in that. I've, I've had my own experiences with that. And um, look at that and see what you make of that because you know the book is there for other people to make their own uh, you know their own ideas up about what they think was going on because some there's a lot of clever people on this planet and i'm not talking about in the derogatory sense of like it's this or that but some people out there are amazing they'll think well do you know i wonder if he was looking for this or i wonder if he was looking for that because we are still left scratching our heads and um, and of course he's only a small part within the the development of Brenda's research and what was going on out there, but it was one of the areas that really stuck struck home, and especially of how this guy just seemed to, you know connect with all these people how he seemed to just walk in there and you know when other people need to be searched and everything he just walked in there and they all it's just bizarre <laughs> yeah. it's like no, crazy it, it reminds me of um the curious case of mr fab um do you remember mr fab who was no. found this is a a body that was found in a car in los angeles and the car had been parked on the street and the person was found in the car after being there for three months. And when they looked into him, you know, Los Angeles is one of these places where everyone goes about their own business and no one really looks in cars or whatever. But when they found him, he had a perfect set of dental record. His teeth were absolutely perfect. And lots of curious things came out about him, like the fact that he had over 200 guns in his property he had um, lots of money that he'd actually been given somehow and there was lots of curious things about this guy that nobody could trace him via his birth descendancy and if you look up the curious case of um, mr fab it is very um it sounds very similar to david daniels and um, I think that one of the chapters is called The Curious Case of David Daniels. <laughs> is it really? Isn't that funny? I, I didn't know that. And and to me, there are curious 
um, people out there. There's curious, um, yeah. shall we say, entities. Um, I'm a. I've always believed that the aliens live amongst us in, oh. in many ways. You know, from Charles Hall's account of the tall whites in the Nevada yes. desert, um, through to a lot of the things that you can pick up if you look around. You can see different shapes and different forms and different energy fields. It's part of what I do. So I know that they live amongst us. And I think that if I was an alien coming to this planet, I would be very curious to see the culture, to understand the areas of thought. But I'm also very curious to think that these particular aliens, extraterrestrials, would be time travelers and they would travel throughout the ages. And so some of the records that we may have being very unaware of at this moment could be of people that have come from different times into times where we've recorded them yeah and why not i mean at the end of the day we have to be open to all forms of speculation my other research indicates that is more involved with the greys and what they a uh, certain faction of them may be in okay. terms of their genus and uh, their replication program hybridization program but for sure yes why not it would make perfect sense because we are in a linear universe you know we're operated through our time that we measure through the cycles of the planets i mean i think these entities may be coming from as you said a multi-universe multiverse or other dimensions of reality that is so far removed from our one and that's probably why they're able to come in and out so very quickly because they have the technology at their disposal to do just that i think it is fascinating i think I feel sometimes like a kid in a sweet shop when it comes to research and ufology. There are so many areas, so many cases, you know, and I'm talking about the genuine true cases, because obviously there's a few that uh, spoil it for others. But I think that most of the time they can differentiate fact from fiction in terms of uh, the truthness of the cases, but it is absolutely incredible. And um, it's haunted me. Uh, when I say haunted me, I think in terms of what happened to us with this guy called Joseph and how similar he had been when I discovered about David Daniels. And it's just like the penny dropped, everything all started dropping. And of course, other people within the um, department will say, no, it couldn't be this and it couldn't be that. The one thing with any case, especially with Rendlesham is that, um, you have a lot of differences of, of opinion. It's the same with Roswell. It's the same with, same with Skinwalker Ranch. You have those that are opposed to one idea and accepting of another. And of course, you sometimes find yourself in deep water when you don't yeah. want to tread on any toes. Um, but at the same token, you, you're, all you're doing is trying to put the pieces together. And I always say to everyone, no one has exclusive rights to the phenomena. The phenomena is there for all of us to partake and share in. We're all part of this experience. Yeah, that's totally right and totally agreeable on that level. I mean, one last thing about um, David Daniels. Could it be that there were more than one David Daniels? Uh, who's to say that there there were more of them? I mean, if they're if they're extraterrestrial, you get popping um, up everywhere, yeah. didn't they? <laughs> I mean, you know, they could put a bodysuit on. I mean, not j jokes aside, people yeah. have got uh, material now that can make them look very much like an older person yeah. or an older person, like a young person, and people in the street wouldn't even turn no. their head. And this, and this is how far years ago people have laughed about it because of our technology understanding i think these beings would be able to just mold themselves into our reality you wouldn't even know them walking down the street you wouldn't even yeah. know that's them that's what i'm that's my thought too that's and, right uh, and i think it's very likely that there are shapeshifters out there oh yes different, absolutely you know, yeah. different forms to what we actually see and, and i and i really do know that because of the energy signatures so it's a, it's another fascinating conversation philip look we're out of time believe it or not can you imagine how fast that has gone it's gone well, so so far talk, talking about time we are out of time and as uh, the the good doctor who um the film that the that they did uh, recently called um uh, a journey through space and time about william hartnell they said at the end time's up <laughs> <laughs> is that what they said that must have been the very time's great, up that was uh, the end of it <laughs> that was a very creative writing access wasn't it was. so so philip do you want to ex um, just remind us about your contact details where people can get hold of you and where they can find skycrash 
Yes, um, of course. I, I've got books on um, Amazon, A Passage Through Eternity, The Enigma of the Dead UFOs and Aliens, Guardians of the Dead, and um, You, the Public Deceived, The Grand UFO Deception. The new book that's being re-released through Philip Mantle's Flying Disc Press on Amazon is called Sky Crash Throughout Time. Um, and that is available as from the 1st of November, because that's coming out then. And of course, I'm working on a new UFO book, um, which hopefully will be out next year. And if you want to contact me or you want to look at our work, you can always go to um, twins.com. That's K-I-N-S-E-L-L-A, or one word, thekinsellatwins.com. And you see my brother's amazing art on there and uh, all the other work. So, yeah, that's that's how you can contact us. Yeah. Well, Philip, Philip Kinsella, thank you very much for being a guest on the show um, today. I'm sure that people will find what we've talked about fascinating. And I'd love you to come back on when your new book is launched. Thank you very much, Dominic. And I'm very honoured once again to reconnect with you and have this uh, prestigious time with you to talk about some very interesting yet very difficult subject matter. <laughs> Thank you, Philip. Been a pleasure. Very, very nice of you to come on. Thank you very much, Dominic. Bless you. Thank you. Are you okay? Um, yeah, I've just stopped, I think, because it hasn't said I'm stopping recording. So I just want